Hello everyone, and thanks for waiting for me to do some research. And finally, Happy New Year! Today we're going to start on our fourth season, about mental illness. Now, usually I spend an entire episode talking about ancient times, but this season we're just going to touch on that. So, in ancient times, many physicians knew that the brain was important, and that injury to it could cause neurological problems like blindness or speech impediments. Knowledge and beliefs varied a lot over time, and in different regions, and as per usual in this show, much of it was often steeped in superstition until the last few centuries. Things began to change in the 1800s. Medical scientists from Europe began to link abnormal behavior with autopsy results from those patients after they had died. They first noticed that there were two types of mental conditions. The first were those whose brain had visible damage. For example, patients with dementia often have smaller brains and may be dotted with black clumps of protein. Other patients that lost control of their limbs had blockages or stains on their brains, which we know nowadays were caused by strokes. Paul Broca famously analyzed the brains of men with language disorders, which I'm pretty sure we've mentioned on the show before. One of these men was named Tan, because it was literally the only word the man could say. Broca discovered that these patients' brains had damage in the same part of the brain, and slowly but surely many disorders became associated with certain pathological signatures, aka different structures of the brain having different functions. Yet other patients had no visible abnormalities on their brains. These were the second type of mental condition, and included psychoses, manias, phobias, depression, and obsessions, among others. The discovery that there were mental illnesses with and without clear biological markings led to a split. Doctors who focused on the diseases where brains had clear differences were known as neurologists. Meanwhile, those who chose to specialize in the non-physical problems became known as psychiatrists, a term coined in 1808, which literally means medical treatment of the soul. How very poetic. Unfortunately, though, the rather non-physical nature of the field immediately attracted all kinds of grifters, and also pseudoscientists. Some of these folks may have had good intentions, but regardless, were flat-out wrong. For example, Franz Anton Mesmer, who in the 1770s argued that mental illness was caused by a physiological phenomena, which arguably makes him the world's first psychiatrist. However, his physiological explanation was, uh... Animal magnetism. So, uh, it all started with a 28-year-old patient, Francisca Osterlin, who for two years Mesmer applied the usual medical techniques of the time, like blistering and bleeding. The patient suffered from earaches to depression and did not improve. Mesmer decided to pursue other methods and sought the advice of a Jesuit priest named Maximilian Hell. And seriously, that's, that's the guy's name. He's literally a priest named Hell, which I cannot help but to chuckle at. But anyway, Father Hell suggested that Mesmer try to treat her with magnets. He tried it on Osterlin and declared that she was healed. In his dissertation, Mesmer called this animal magnetism, an invisible energy that coursed through magnetic channels in our bodies that could cause both mental or physical illnesses. Mesmer thought that illnesses were caused by blockages in these channels, and of course, by removing those blockages, you could fix pretty much everything. If your body didn't naturally remove those blockages, then what you needed was a powerful conductor of animal magnetism, like Franz Mesmer. Mesmer would touch his patients, poke them, pinch them, and believed that he was restoring proper flow of magnetic energy. Quote-unquote correct application of magnetism treatments would lead to a crisis, 
which he used as a technical term. For example, curing depression required opening up those magnetic channels until the patient became suicidal, at which point the patient could then finally recover. For the record, this is not how one should treat depression or really most if not all other diseases. Making a patient worse to make them better is not, as far as I know, a thing. In 1775, Mesmer published his findings and was dismissed by many. Mesmer demonstrated his findings to a physician, Jan Ingenhaus, who quickly figured out that the patient would respond well to anything that she believed was a magnet, or that she believed was connected with Mesmer. But not the magnets that crafty Ingenhaus had actually hid around the room. Ingenhaus publicly decried Mesmer as a fraud, and then Mesmer's career ended forever. Just kidding. Regardless of how nonsensical all this is, Mesmer became famous for his treatments, especially after moving to Paris. He supposedly cured kidney stones, or in another instance, a woman's blindness, although later on it was reported that the woman was still blind. At one point, he was invited to give his opinion on exorcisms. Mesmer proclaimed that the priest in question was sincere, but was actually curing folks with his high degree of animal magnetism. His treatments by this time had evolved further, usually requiring patients to sit in a room, holding hands around a magnetized vessel of water, along with soothing music, soft lighting, and Mesmer's movements. This treatment style came to be known as Mesmerism, and is where the word mesmerizing comes from. Today, we can recognize these techniques as being a kind of hypnosis, which will probably be an episode later, but animal magnetism is a bunch of baloney. While practicing in Paris, mesmerism actually attracted the attention of the king. King Louis appointed a scientific committee, including one Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, that Benjamin Franklin. To the committee's credit, they published a report debunking mesmerism as nonsense. As these things often go, though, mesmerism stuck around for decades. Although mesmerism was definitely not correct as far as the theory goes, it seems unlikely that mesmer was just scamming people. Later in his life, when Mesmer became ill, lying on his deathbed, he actually refused treatment from doctors of the time, and continually tried to cure himself with animal magnetism. In 1815, Mesmer finally passed away. So, Mesmer was incredibly wrong, but there was actually some good that came of the pseudoscience. Before Mesmerism, mental illness was usually considered a moral failing. In olden times, many people believed that those with mental illness chose to behave in such a way, or were paying for some earlier sin. Even among medical professionals, many believed instead that mental illness was incurable, and that there was no hope of treating them. I know it sounds simple enough as to almost be silly, but Mesmer was a pioneer, in that in his view, patients were not at fault for their mental illnesses, and also that patients could be treated, even if his beliefs were completely wrong. Mesmer also accidentally pioneered an early form of hypnotism, which can genuinely be therapeutic. Inducing suggestive mental states in patients can have its uses, although Mesmer wasn't really intending to do so as far as I can tell. I'll probably end up talking about hypnotism in more detail in a later episode. That's it for this week, though. Next week, I'm not sure yet, honestly. Delivery of my research materials got really, really delayed, probably due to COVID, and so I'm a little behind on planning the season. And I'm also moving houses, so that's been a lot too. I'm hoping to get caught up, though, and rest assured that even if my whole season plan isn't done yet, I will have regular episodes for you all, although they may be a little shorter or a little less formatted than usual. As always, thanks to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, 
Muse Open for our music, and you for listening.